hey, as people are trickling in, I hear there's a little race outside. I'm surprised that you guys aren't running in it. It's only 26.2 miles long. No big deal. Welcome to worship at Fellowship Church here on the first day of the week where we uh, come to gather to celebrate and to give thanks to God, our Creator. And so we declare with the psalmist, O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth, for you have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the sun, the moon, and all that you made, including the beautiful sunrise this morning, it leaves me to wonder, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have crowned them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor, giving them dominion over the earth. And so we proclaim, O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's stand and sing to God our Creator. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at God's command. your creation and for giving us the privilege of caring for it. We turn to you in prayer as the maker, creator, author of all, acknowledging not only your sovereignty and lordship over all, but also praising you for your creativity, your providence, and your ongoing sustaining work in the creation. We pray that in your creation and in our lives, as those made in your image, we would grow and flourish in the grace and knowledge of you, our Lord and our Savior. 
May our Holy Spirit fill us so that we might serve you with our whole heart, whole mind, and whole strength. May we, with all creation, submit to you as Lord of all. Bro.
fellowship. It's good to be with you, whether you're here in person, worshiping with us online, in the atrium, and new this morning in the gym, an intentional mask space. Um, we're gathered in many different venues, um, but the spirit unites us. Uh, I'm, my name is Jess Mix. I am the Minister of Creative Arts and Worship here at Fellowship, and our mission here at Fellowship is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. We've been doing that in a variety of ways. One way that we're trying to be an accepting community is if you are new here, we want to get to know you. Uh, we, if you want us to know you, of course, that's your right. <laughs> but we have these connection cards that are actually at the back near the offering plates. And we would just love um, to know how we can um, get to know you better. And if you would like to fill one of these out, you can drop it in the offering plate. And we don't pass our plates um, right now, but uh, if you would like to give to the ministry as a regular attender, um, you're welcome to put your uh, gift in the play or to give online. Um, that's just an, another reminder um, that those are the ways that we can do that. Uh, we have a lot of things going on today and starting up this week. It's kind of crazy, all the things that are going on. And so I have a few props up here to point you to a lot of paper. There's so many pieces of paper just flying everywhere. Uh, we got the bulletin here. Inside the bulletin, we have an unusual amount of announcements, and I just want to point it to you. Um, I can't take all the time to describe all this because Pastor Ross would have to can his sermon, um, and I don't think he's willing to do that. He put a lot of work. Um, today, we're doing the fall kickoff right after this service, so you guys um, get to just kind of head out if you'd like. On this side, the south parking lot, um, we'll be having burgers and hot dogs, and check out more details about that. Um, this Wednesday, we're starting community nights again, which we're really excited about um, to have offering a meal again, and then just a variety of things going on for all different age groups. So again, check that out. Our pastoral search team um, has been chosen and we want to just cover them in prayer. And so their names are in the bulletin. And World Communion Sunday is the first Sunday in October. And this year we are offering um, a unique opportunity to get involved in that. Uh, the bulletin has an outdated date there. The deadline for submission is actually the 26th, so not this coming Sunday, but the next. But we want to give you just a little bit of time to um, participate in that, so check out the details there. And then hot off the presses, this uh, week is our ministry guide, and this is just chock full of a lot of good stuff. Um, and again, you, you, it would take a while to read through this. So pick up a copy, um, maybe after the sermon, don't read it during the sermon. Um, but anyway, there's, there's plenty of things in there to get involved in. And I think I got everything. I should check my list. Yeah. Um, uh, Jess, you forgot something. Well, of actually, you didn't did. forget something. <laughs> I uh, have a little last-minute addition to your announcements. Is it all right if I share something I with the people? Uh, this week, we were contacted again. We, it feels like the Twilight Zone because this happened just a couple years ago, but we were contacted by Bethany Christian Services, one of our local mission partners, and invited to consider again uh, helping to resettle another refugee family. Uh, you might be uh, aware of some of the chaos that ensued in the last couple of weeks in Afghanistan, and the United States government is relocating approximately thousands of uh, Afghan refugees uh, here to our country, and they anticipate around 200 people are going to be relocated to Ottawa and to Muskegon counties. And so they're asking some of their churches that have done it in the past uh, to consider sponsoring again. And so we are curious if that's something that we want to do as a community. And so if you are at all interested in uh, just learning more and potentially
eventually serving on a team that helps to resettle that family, uh, a family, um, I'd like to invite you to come to the gym uh, right after this service at 1130 before we hop and skip over to lunch, because it's going to be awesome. And go to lunch, because we got some fresh uh, grilled burgers out there. Our children, uh, ages 3 through 8th grade at this time, are invited to go to Sunday school if they would like, uh, and Miss Betsy will meet uh, you in the atrium right by the coffee area. And while they head out, uh, Pastor Ross is going to come up here uh, to bring, you might say, the thunder, keeping us grounded like the Michigan football team was grounded and brought come the on. thunder yesterday. No, it's okay. <laughs> you knew he'd sneak it in, didn't you? Michigan won, so it's good really good. Hey, the Lord be with you. Just in case you were indeed up last night watching football perhaps a bit too long, I want to start by making sure you're awake with a little bit of a game, a fill-in-the-blank kind of game. So I invite you to tell me what fits best. Fill-in-the-blank. Macaroni and? Cheese. Lost and? Oh. Rise and? Shine. Oh, there it is. I heard a fall. Okay. <laughs> Most of you are optimistic, not so much over here. <laughs> no offense. Forgive and? Forgive. Very nice. Grace and? Peace. Naked and? Grace. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's TV. Naked and unashamed is what Genesis 3 says. Woof. Okay. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are in a new sermon series called And, and and is a wonderful little word that brings together things that belong together. Sometimes it's a natural pairing, like coffee and donuts. Sometimes it's polar opposites, like it is in magnetism, where it is the negative and the positive poles that attract and other times, it's even paradoxical truths where we have even kind of lightheartedly acknowledged that our search team even right now is intentionally moving fast and slow, sort of paradoxical. To properly say this word and in the fellowship way, you really have to drag it out a little bit. So it's like saying, good idea, and let's improve it a little bit, okay? And that's kind of the fellowship way you might notice or start saying it that way yourself. Notably, the opposite of the word and is or. In the way that and sometimes brings things together, or intentionally separates them. And so when you were a child, and me too, we were taught a series of these ors, and we were told that things are either hot or cold, right or wrong, good or bad, that you are either happy or sad. Right? And they're presented in a way that there's no middle ground. These polarities are for us simple and certain. And we need it to be that way, especially when we're kids in our early childhood development. And with a little bit of age and wisdom and life experience, we realize that oftentimes things are not quite that simple. And is the word that we use to recognize the rich, the complex, the mutually edifying, sometimes mysterious realities of life. So if you look at the graphic on the cover of our bulletin, you might realize that the ampersand, the and symbol, looks a bit like 
an infinity loop. And the infinity loop is a way of intentionally weaving together with the word and things that might otherwise be pushed in opposite directions. This happens all around us in all kinds of different ways, and I'm going to use some cool technology here in a minute. Uh, we, it happens in the business world with the products we buy. We want high quality and low prices, right? And usually the best products are the ones that have this wonderful weaving together of high quality and low prices. Occasionally you run across a product that is created with high quality, high quality, high quality, high quality only, and you end up with a Rolls Royce or something like that, which has not a low price at all, right? It's a great car, but nobody can afford it. At the same time, you might otherwise have an instance where it is low price, low price, low price, low price, and you end up with a Yugo, if you remember the Yugo, America's cheapest and crappiest car, right? There's no quality whatsoever. You get the idea. Similarly, we recognize together that, especially in an American society, just yesterday was 9-11, the 20-year anniversary of significant events in our life together, which have remind us, reminded us of another important and, and that is freedom and security, right? And so prior to 9-11, we might have had, let me use a cool another color just because it's fun, uh, we had freedom, 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 perhaps so much that you could go onto a plane with a bomb in your shoe and you could hijack those planes and fly them into buildings. Afterwards, there was a realization that we need security. Security, 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 security. So much so that you couldn't bring a bottle of water onto an airplane or contact solution or other things, right? What we're still learning together, again, is that we need to weave these together with this all-important word, and. And to simplify it to an or statement kind of misses it. Does anybody have a guess what might be the single most common word in all of Scripture? Yeah, I led you there, didn't I? It's and. Come on. It even beats out the word the. Take that, the. (laughs) And. It's the most common. And, of course, this word is uh, a a common grammar necessity, right? So I realize sometimes it's just used because you have to. But. There are other times, and in some of the most treasured passages of Scripture, the and is part of these great, great commandments where we recognize that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Or that this world that we are in is very good and desperately marred by sin. When Jesus took on flesh and came among us, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was full full of grace and truth. Not one or the other. We Christians and our churches sometimes get this by emphasizing one at the expense of the other, but he was full of grace and truth. Not legalism, not lawlessness, but this beautiful and pairing. And then when Jesus was even asked by a lawyer to name the single most commandment, just one, what did he do? He named two. He says, love God and love your neighbor. Well, with all of that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in listening to the very beginning of the book that we love, the first chapter 
of Genesis, which is a story that has its own 70-plus and statements. And I want to invite you today not only to hear it, but also to see it. So take this in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants with trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with a seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if that doesn't make you smile, I don't know what does. Thank you to Jess for helping co-create that. What a great telling of the beginning of the book that we love. I like to draw out from it, uh, at the risk of making you sick of ands from the very start, four different ands that appear in this creation story that we just heard. The first one is the way things were before God created. Did you notice that one? The world is described as formless and empty. Formless and empty. In the original language in Hebrew, it's actually a phrase that rhymes. Tohu vevohu kind of fun to say. It means something like waste schmaced or wild and worthless. Even more technically, this little first word pairing uh, gives us two important meanings. It means that without God, the world is without form, without boundaries, without meaningful categories. It does not have purpose or function. And without God, the world is empty or void lacking good content. If you opened up the Message Bible, which is a creative translation of it, it would describe this phrase as a soup of nothingness or a bottomless emptiness. That's what's going on there. For better or worse, I picture this tohu vavohu as my youngest son's bedroom. Maybe you guys can relate to that with kids' rooms in your house. He has in his room a life-size pink trash can up to my chest level, and that pink trash can is a container, a form that is supposed to hold all of the stuff that otherwise litters his room, clothes and toys and trash, literally. If you take that trash can away from his room, what's left is tohu vavohu, waste schmaced. It's like tuning the radio to no station at all and simply hearing, right? It's stressful. Another image you might have for this kind of tohu vavohu uh, state would be in outer space, a black hole. I don't know much about these things, but a black hole is seemingly like a super vacuum of sheer nothingness generating more nothingness, right? It's a black hole. We lack words to describe exactly what that is and what this first state of things was. Tohu vavohu. And yet, I think we also sort of know by experience what it is, don't we? We've all had times in our lives, and maybe it's now, where it feels like the meaningful structures of life have been taken away, 
and all of the meaningful contents of life are missing. It's worth noticing that this text was very likely shared with God's people first at this time when they were in the exile, when the world as they once knew it had been torn to shreds, the categories were eliminated, and all of the meaningful contents scattered. That's what they were experiencing in that time. And so this text coming to them at that time is actually a word of good news. That though the world is sometimes tohu vavohu, or that's the way it feels, that God is able to make something out of our nothingness. That this tohu vavohu is not the last word. It's just the way things are before God speaks, before God speaks creates. The second and pairing I hope you noticed in the text today is what God does by creating. God creates space and God creates stuff. And this is precisely the opposite of the tohu vavohu, of the waste schmaced. When God speaks, formlessness gives way to form and the empty spaces are filled with stuff. It's actually kind of fun if you map this out. If you draw out the creation store as we have it, it comes to us as six days which fall nicely into two different columns. Days one through three on this side are the ones where God is creating spaces, day and night, light and dark, and then also sky and sea, and then on the third day, dry land. And then on days four through six, God fills those spaces with the abundant things of life. So the sky or the the day and the night are filled with the sun, moon, and the stars. The sky and the sea are filled with the birds and the fish, and the dry land is populated with animals and with people. My favorite of all of these days, I wonder if you have one too, my favorite is day two, where God creates this dome or expanse or firmament, this Space between the waters is the way it's described. A bubble where life is possible, where God is pushing back the tohu vavohu and creating the possibility of life. Today, we might call it atmosphere. And Earth has this atmosphere, and other planets that don't, don't have life on it. it. And we're learning that if we poke too big of a hole in our atmosphere... The chaos crashes in, and the tohu vavohu might take over again. There's this bubble that God is creating, which makes life possible, and God then fills it. I hope you hear this as good news, that if you are a person who is experiencing life, even right now, as some kind of wild and wasteful experience, where the forms and the fill seems to have been taken away, to remember that from the very beginning... And to the end of time, God is a God who makes form out of the formless things and who fills the empty spaces with the stuff of life, abundant life, actually. Which brings us to the third major and pairing that I hope you notice in our text today, too. It's really a fundamental claim about the way things really are, about the reality of things, and it is that there is a creator— and a creation. And I'm drawing for you this infinity loop again in the air. I hope you see it that way, that there is a creator and a creation, that these two belong together. In fact, I have a little bit of a tongue twister I want you to say with me, okay? The creator 
is creating a creation full of creatures who live in creaturely response to the Creator. How much wood can a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? It's kind of like that, except this one is the creation story. There is a creator who is creating a creation full of creatures who live in creaturely response to the creator. It is the fundamental fabric of reality, if you will. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann has said that this creation story can be summarized in a simple three-word sentence. Creator, creating, creation. And that this single sentence, he says, is decisive for everything. It's the grammar of life. And he goes on to say that in all things, the creator is not disinterested. And in all things, creation is not autonomous. God and God's creation are bound together, and this binding is irreversible. And importantly, you might even say that at the center of that infinity loop is the most important and of all. His name is Jesus, the great God-man, the mediator of creator and creation, the one in whom all things hold together, the one that the New Testament tells us that God intends to bring all things together into unity, things in heaven and things on earth. When recording that reading with the video there, there was a phrase that caught me that I hadn't noticed before, and it's this phrase where each and everything that's created is to be according to its kind, according to its kind, according to its kind. Maybe you heard that said over and over again as it was said. It's an interesting reminder to the creation as it's being created that the fundamental order is this weaving together of creator and creation. God's job is to create, and our job is to live in creaturely response to the creator. Pretty cool. There's one more and that I hope you notice in the text today, and this one I hope speaks to your life right now. It's perhaps the most pastoral. It is namely that God is big and that God is close, that God is big, and that God is close. I'm going to draw this for you as well with my poor handwriting. When we say that God is big, what we mean is that God is big enough to create the entire cosmos, that God is taller than the tallest mountain, deeper than the deepest sea. Our theologians describe God as omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, everywhere, always. And so when Christians all over the world and throughout history look to God as our refuge and our strength, that's Psalm 46, we're doing so because of God's bigness. Uh, I hope you've had your time in life where you've been overtaken by that. One of the first ones for me was when I was a little tyke out on the big dune of Lake Michigan. I had climbed up there and for whatever reason sat still for a little while and looked out on the water and noticed what's always there, but I saw it for the first time, namely that the water goes this way without end and this way without end, it seems at least. And you can even see kind of the arc of our planet if you sit there and look at it long enough. It is a clear reminder of the bigness of this planet 
which begs the question how much bigger the creator of it must be. And in that kind of holy moment for me, I was shot through with adrenaline. It was like I saw the world in HD for the very first time. And like the hymn writer from long ago, I found myself thinking, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Friends, these are all different ways where we are saying God is big and a big kind of big. I hope you've had your moment perhaps a thousand times over where you have that kind of great awakening. God is big. And God is close. Whoops. That's a C. Okay. Close. God is close. God is imminent. God is personal close enough to know your name, close enough to carry your pain, close enough to be your friend, close enough to paint the color on every single wildflower in the world, close enough to be the glimmer and the spark, the life in everything. God is close. God is close. Now, of course, it is possible to believe, and some have said, that God is big, but God is not close. And if you do that, you land in a camp called deism, a heresy that recognizes that's just not true. If you believe that, you end up living a life that misses out on all of the detailed delights of fellowship with God who is near us and promised to be with us always. It is also possible to believe, and some have said, that God is close but not big. This would be for those who look to God as therapeutic, but who doubt God's sovereignty or God's providential care over this entire World. And if you take this particular approach to life, I think you'd find Jesus saying to you with a twinkle in his eye what he sometimes said to his disciples when they lacked confidence in God's ability to quiet the storm or feed the crowd. He called them little faiths. It's like a little bit of an insult, but it's lovingly inviting a punch and a pull at the same time. Little faiths. There's a bigger, better way to live. And what I'm hoping you're recognizing with me today is that the and is of utmost importance. God is big and God is close. This is the way things are. And that's the way we get to experience life in this world from the very beginning. In just a minute, I want to invite forward the team. Oh, I'm going to do that now. And they're going to uh, help lead us in a song. And we'll get to watch the video again. You'll be invited to reflect on how God is big and God is close for us. And you are invited to do so prayerfully and worshipfully. But before we go there, I want to share with you some words from the Heidelberg Catechism, some older official words. But listen to what it says about this creation story. Question answer number 26 says, What do you mean when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth? And the answer is that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, and who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, that's big, is also my God and Father because of Christ the Son. That's close. And then it says, I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. That's close. And that God will turn for my good whatever adversity comes upon me in this sad world. That's big. And then it concludes by saying this, God is able to do this because he is almighty God. Big. And God desires to do this because he is a faithful father. That's close. Let's sing about it. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of
What a fitting response to God's bigness and God's closeness to gather here at this table where we remember God's great, grand, big, humongous love for all of people, for all of time that gather here at this table, but also remember that it is at this table that we, individuals that we are, can commune by the power of the Spirit with that same big God. In light of all that we have done that makes us unworthy of coming to this table, we come honestly praying that we also screwed up and are complicit, but because of God's big, grand grace in Jesus Christ, we come to this table together. To that end, let's pray together. Father of all creation, before the world began, you were there Before there was time and before there was space, you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwelled in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in perfect knowledge of all that would be in this world and and in the world to come. You called this world into being from nothing, filling the earth with the beautiful, the strange, and the unique, the cosmic, and the particle. Even from the dust of the ground, you formed us in your image, Your call to us is to tend the earth, to bring forth your kingdom through our vocations, to be your body here on earth, united with your church in doing your will. We confess that in so many ways we fall short. Instead of seeking unity, we seek conflict. Instead of seeking community, we choose isolation. Instead of seeking peace, we tolerate dysfunction. Forgive us when our actions have had a negative impact on your world, creation, and people alike. For you do not call us to live a life relying on our own selfish pride and independence, but you call us to be your body, joined together, working together, seeking you together, the very thing we do this morning at this table because of your Son, Jesus Christ. So we pray, nourish us by this bread and cup that we may be empowered by your Spirit, to live in unity, community, and peace with you and with your church. Set our hearts on fire to be caretakers of this world, lovers of your people, and passionate followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Friends, as we prepare to take communion together, if you are lacking elements because you missed them on the way in, just raise your hand, and our elders are ready to come and visit you with them. Today, together, we remember that on the very night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples and he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. In the same way, after they had supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. My friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. We invite you, as you already have started, to, uh, if you have one of the, you have two choices for bread this morning, uh, maybe the way from the top or the packet, uh, but please uh, grab your first element. With the bread ready, we remember that Jesus said, this is my body. Take, eat, remember, and believe.
And as we drink, we remember Christ's blood shed for us. We invite you to stand and let's sing in response to the God who has provided for us.
in Jesus' name, the Creator is creating a creation full of creatures who live in creaturely response to their Creator. Thanks be to God. As you go from this place to live as if that's true, because it is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.